Hello and you're listening to FPCast, the podcast for Fruitless Pursuits where we bullshit about the week in pop culture. I am Luke. And I'm Jacinta. And this week we are talking about... Golden men invaded again. Mm. Their annual invasion. Yes. Have uh, appeared in the hands of uh, all sorts of, all manner of people. Yeah. Really. Mm. Very eclectic Oscars this year. It was, yes. And I have not watched the ceremony, but, uh, you know, I've I've read up enough and uh, certainly want to talk about all the awards. So we are going to actually go through all the awards and have a little bit of a, uh, our own personal Mm. take on them because um, we've seen most of the things that are in there. Uh, yes. Between yes. us, we should have uh, seen most things and mm. uh, have a educated opinion. Not that we were asked or anything. <laughs> no. No. Why, why would we be? I would like to be part of the Academy. Would you, though? Yeah. Um, I wouldn't. They seem really boring. That's why, you know, need some spicing up. Mm. What about Green Book winning made you think that the Academy are boring? <laughs> yeah. We're also going to talk about Vox Lux. Uh, Vox Lux, uh, I noticed, especially here in Australia, no one knows what the fuck it is. Because it hasn't been released anywhere. Like, we had to go to a particular cinema because it wasn't being released in any other fucking cinema. And it is Natalie Portman's new film, where she plays a kind of Lady Gaga-esque... Pop star. Pop star. And I feel like if A Star Is Born is a kind of... um, you know, bland, Jesus-y kind of movie, mm. that this is a kind of wild, Satan-y movie. Mm. It's kind of like the the total uh, coin flip on... Uh, Star is Born is like the most fucking vanilla movie in the world yeah. compared to Vox Lux. <laughs> and Vox Lux is like rum and raisin. What, for old people? Well, like, um, I don't know, what's a crazy ice cream flavour? That's uh, not, not to everyone's taste. Oh, that weird, that rainbow one that Wendy's used to have. Yeah. 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 But it's kind of like a Satan unicorn. Yeah. 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 Like a black rainbow. Sure. Weird. With sequins in it. Mm-hmm. And the ice cream has actual sequins in it. Yeah. So. And if you choke on it, well, it's your own fault, It's a little uncomfortable it? at times. Yeah. Oh, we nearly did choke on it with the way the cinema chose to uh, show it. But, yeah. Uh, we'll talk about that a bit later. We'll get there. Um, but before we talk about all those uh, wonderful things, oh, we also saw um, Maternity's Gate, mm. the Vincent Van Gogh film. Goth. And uh, also, uh, we're going to talk about our What to Watch Challenge. So, a mm. jam-packed show. We better get into it. Um, firstly, just want to mention a trailer. It was a trailer we were supposed to do last time, and someone asked if we were going to do it. Yeah, and then we forgot. We forgot, and yeah. I only watched it this morning. But mm. uh, yesterday... Mm. About a... Uh, or does he have, like, a, a head injury and then wakes up and the world... Uh, has forgotten the Beatles. Something happens in the world, like all the lights go out, mm. and he crashes his bike at the same time. Okay. And, uh, yeah. It's always a head injury, isn't it? Everyone's forgotten the Beatles. Well, I think he it was kind of an anti-head injury, because I feel like him maybe being in midair when all the lights and everything went out mm. erased everyone's maybe. mind but his. <laughs> maybe. Because, like, it's not to do with so, his so brain, it... it's to do with everyone else's brain. His brain's fine, he remembers the Beatles. Yeah. But no one else... But then the world's changed, because yeah. it's not that they just don't remember it. When he Googles it, hmm. I think he goes into another dimension. 
Yeah, maybe. Like a parallel dimension mm. where everything's the same except for the Beatles. Mm. Like the Berenstein I mean, Bears thing. That's a pretty specific parallel universe, but, you know, that's... Well, if the... there are infinite para- parallel universes, then that's perfect. Yeah. So you switch. So no one knows what the Beatles is. He sings a Beatles song. Everyone thinks, hey, uh, you sang that. That's your song. You must have written that. Yeah. And he's like, fuck, no, I didn't. And then he goes, well, hang on. I can maybe... Uh, Nobody knows any different. I can make some sweet, sweet money. Yeah, and he becomes famous, mm. but he, he loves a girl, and then he seems to be having some ethical kind of, well, you know, is this right or, or is it not? Mm. I wonder, like, ethically, is there an ethical problem if you're in a stranded in a parallel universe where something doesn't exist that you know about? I don't think so. No. Because they don't know any different. And it's not like you're really hoodwinking them because this thing doesn't exist at all. And you still need the skill. To yeah. be able to... It yeah, just means, absolutely. like, you're a really good cover band. Yeah, and imagine... Like, I imagine that he starts off with... Uh, in the trailer, it looks like he starts off with yesterday. Imagine just sitting there and he just starts strumming, like, fucking obla di obla da or some shit, and they're just like, what the fuck is this? Octopus's Garden you've in got the Shade. To, yeah, you've got to work up to it. You're going to be like, oh, that's the best song yeah. ever. I yeah. really relate to the... Yeah. Octopus's Cuckoo. Garden. Yeah. yeah. I am the Eggman. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I'm really torn on this film because it looks like it's got uh, appearances by both uh, Kate McKinnon and mm. Ed Sheeran. Mm. So uh, I'm like a dog chasing his own tail. I'm yeah. like, I don't know if the two cancel each other out. No, I'm happy with both of those. Um, it was funny. There's like um, this Australian dude has come out and been like, oh, I wrote a book that was like that exact concept like however long ago. And, you know, I'm not saying that they've stolen my idea, but... You know, maybe I'll do a whole bunch of daytime TV interviews and plug my book. And I'm like, okay, dude. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Fuck you having the idea first. (laughs) They made it bigger. Did he have Kate McKinnon in his book? No. 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 Did he have Ed Sheeran? No. Has he even read the book? No. Can he even read? Doubtful. Probably not. Does he need to be able to? Who knows? He can get the audio book. Nobody needs to read anymore. It looks fun, but it looks like it says from the writer of Love Actually. Hmm. And um, hmm. that is exactly the kind of movie it looks like. Yeah, it looks like fun. It looks like fucking the same sort of audience that would like Bohemian Rhapsody would like the Beatles movie. Yeah, I don't, don't damn it with liking Bohemian Rhapsody. Well, I know, I know, but, like, for people who... That, so that's for people who have had real head injuries. <laughs> it's for people who just want to go and see the songs, literally. Like, the amount of arguments this week, particularly, obviously, about people going, hey, look, Bohemian Rhapsody was not a good movie, and then just being overwhelmed with an avalanche, but I really liked it. And it's like, yeah, but that's not the same thing. Yeah, that's true. Like, it's not the same thing. It's not the same thing, yeah. Like, you can, you know, I like plenty of movies that I know objectively are not good films, and I can make that difference, but if you go along and you go, but I really like Queen, and I really liked hearing all those songs, it's like, yeah, cool, but... There is an avenue for you to hear Queen's songs. <laughs> you can put a CD on, my dude. Yeah. You can watch the Live Aid performance, yeah. like, you can watch the real one, you know? And, yeah, I, yeah. No, but I don't want to watch Mr. Robot pretend to do the Live Aid performance, I don't want to watch the real one. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, well, mm. different strokes for different jokes of people. So yesterday, yeah, we'll see that. Yeah. Tomorrow. <laughs> I'm not going to see it tomorrow. I don't know when it's out. 
let's talk about the Oscars. Yes. Let, let, let's do that. So uh, I've brought up a list here. Of mm-hmm. course, all the sites reporting on uh, all the winners haven't put them in the order of uh, announcement. Yeah. Which I would have liked to have done, but instead uh, they put them in order of what they think is most important to least important. <laughs> yeah. With writing apparently being <laughs> least important. So. Well, well mate, they were going to be in the weren't they going to be in the ad break? So they're lucky to have been <laughs> the uh, in the telecast at all. So we'll go from the bottom and work our way mm. up. Uh, but writing original screenplay nominees with a favourite first reformed Green Book, Roma, and Vice, and Green Book took this one. Yeah. And uh, surely the favourite was my favourite for this one. Yeah, that's insane. I, like, that's the craziest shit. Green Book's bland. The favourite is just balls so to the wall. So witty. Crazy. And funny. And uh, even, like, First Reformed was really good. Uh, Vice is, in a way, all about the mm. writing and sort of writing devices. I don't think Roma should have taken it. I think Roma's a very visual film. It's more about a feeling mm. than a... Mm. Than the script or plot, mm. but um, no, Green Book, no way. The, the favorite should have taken that one. And uh, it's like for originals, like it, it's based on a book as well. You know, yeah. like it was already there. You know, like yeah, I don't know. I, I don't, don't know. know how it gets original screenplay actually, yeah. because uh, Book Depository has been pushing the favorite novel to me as well. So mm. who knows? Uh, adapted screenplay. There was Ballad of Buster Scruggs, Black Klansman. Can you ever forgive me if Bill Street could talk and a star is born? Black Klansman took that, and uh, I think that's the right, right one. Yeah, yeah, and it was worth it for uh, Spike Lee's acceptance speech. I was shocked he's never won an Oscar before. As well, yeah, well, yeah. That's pretty crazy, though. It is. It goes to show yeah. you how uh, times have uh, changed. Oh, and the, f- the amount of times that they said during the telecast, oh, this is the first time uh, an African-American woman has been nominated for this category, and this is the first time an African-American has won in this category. And it's like, oh, fuck, really? But Black Klansman's clever. It's interesting. Um, God, imagine if Star is Born had won. That, mm-hmm. that would have really upset me. Hmm. Uh, visual effects, Avengers Infinity War, Christopher Robin, First Man, Ready Player One, Solo, A Star Wars Story. I feel like they don't have a really good um, measurement of what makes something the best special effects. I mean, like, mm. things like Infinity War certainly has a lot of special effects, yeah. but, you know, it's so sci-fi out there, comic yeah. booky that it, you know, it can look sort of ropey or weird. Or, yeah, and you've got, like, 50... Korean VFX studios working on the the one movie kind of yes, thing. Yes, that's right. Know? I mean, you look at those credits and there's so many different <laughs> ones. It's like, well, this company did really well. These 10 did okay. These two yeah. were pretty ropey. Yeah. Same with everything. And like Solo's got so many different things from puppets to... Mm. Uh, I, I feel like they always, with this category, go for, well, what looked the most real but not real mm. in believable but real in a relatable way yeah uh, which is why things like um life of pi going oh well they had a really realistic tiger yeah. and this time it was first man because mm. it was like well they really did make you think about and it's true like the special effects are pretty seamless in that in the same way that it, mm. that there were in something like gravity where you just yeah yes i was i was <laughs> i was immersed to the point where i felt uh nauseous for 90 percent of that film so yes i agree with that one so good work uh sound mixing mm. uh, i mean fuck how i wouldn't even know where to how to judge this bohemian rhapsody got it i guess it's got music the um 
They, well, they, they mixed uh, Rami miming to those songs. Yeah, I well, can't imagine I how A Star Is Born or Roma could be in this category. First Man, I can imagine. Black Panther, I can imagine. Bohemian Rhapsody, the scene that I remember the most is something that I enjoyed was where they are... Um, well, a couple of scenes. The one where they're fucking around, they're swinging the speakers and doing all that mm. stuff. And when they're recording Bohemian Rhapsody. So, considering that sound is such an important part of built, you know, showing as those songs being built. Mm. Uh, I think, yeah, sure. Yeah. They look, Bohemian Rhapsody is going to win an award. Sound mixing, I can live with, and uh, they got sound editing as well. Um, short film, live action. Didn't see any of these. Skin one, so I have no comment on that. Mm. And short film animated. The only one I saw was Bow, which won. Yeah. Which was the little dumpling Pixar film. Yeah, which was very sweet, and that would, they had a nice um, uh, acceptance speech too. Uh, production design, we've got Black Panther, The Favourite, First Man, Mary Poppins Returns, and uh, Roma. Uh, Black Panther picks this one up, and uh, I'm happy with that. I think mm. that's uh, uh, such a great fusion of um, the cultural elements and the comic book elements and um, a lot of different things brought together in a really cohesive way. Yeah, absolutely. And and same with, I think they got, did they get costume design as they well? They did, yeah. May as well um, talk about that at the I same time. I think that... Uh, traditionally stuff like this does go to those period dramas and it's really nice that it's going to something that has really brought us something that we just haven't seen before. Yeah, and you also think about how traditionally, like it's only really recently where superhero costuming has even been a thing and now Mm. comes to a point where things do look really great. Mm. I mean, even going back to your sort of modern age, um, when you're starting to get into, like, Superman, Batman, Mm. like, it still there's that one superhero costume in the entire film, Mm. whereas to flesh out a whole world in those sort of garments and to put in all these cultural things and to have Mm. everything look so slick. Mm. They haven't looked, like, like realistic, like they could survive in the world. Yeah, it, it's really great, actually, how far things have come when you think about, like, 80s, 90s superhero costumes in mm. movies. And the fact now that, for the most part, you just totally take it for granted. Like, you expect mm. it to look good, and it does. Mm. Like, you know, I remember really wanting to see the Captain Marvel costume. When you finally see it, it's actually not that big a deal because it just looks right. Like, mm. you just look and you go... And it's all about the scenes and the mm. materials. and I mean, even... Um, Shazam, which is such a basic mm. costume, just looks really good. Yeah. I, I know, I'm yeah. saying basic, it cost a million dollars or something. <laughs> uh, or ten million or something crazy. Uh, music, original song, there's no surprise here. It was going to be shallow. Yeah, it's, look, as much as I gave the film shit, that is a great song. It is a really, really genuinely good song. There were two things I would have accepted for Star is Born, and that's the song. And, I mean, the song doesn't do anything for me, but... If you were going to sum up a song for last year in movies, yeah. that's the one. Mm. Um, and I really liked Lady Gaga's performance, so this sort of ties into that. Mm. There was that whole thing. I didn't watch their performance about how they looked like they wanted to fuck each other, and then she's like, yeah, it's acting. Yeah, which, on one hand, sure, but he is an actor and she's not. And Well, she got a Best Oscar nomination for acting. Yeah, but... That makes you an actor. Mm. Technically, I suppose. Well, bear um, in mind, Olivia Coleman was a cleaner at one yeah, stage. Yeah. yeah, yeah, no, but like, they're thinking that she can uh, put across that level of chemistry 
and she's saying that it's not real. I was just acting. It's like, oh, I look. She's also been saying that Bradley Cooper is an artistic genius, and if she's lying about that, then what the fuck else is she lying about? Are you saying that two good-looking people would want to fuck each other? Mm. Is that what I'm Yeah. Yeah. That that's, feels like fiction to me. Weird, yeah. Original score, Black Panther. Yeah. Now, I haven't listened to that score in isolation, and uh, hearing that it won this, I'm like, fuck, I really should. Hmm. Because uh, I do listen to a lot of movie scores, and I bet it's all aces, so I'm going to revisit that. Uh, makeup and hairstyling, we had Border, which I, is one of the few that I haven't seen here. Mary Queen of Scots and Vice. Oh, actually, we haven't seen Mary Queen of Scots either. So, I have no opinion on that. Mm, it's only three in that category. That's weird. Yeah, that is weird. Foreign language film, Roma was the only one that I saw, unfortunately. Yeah, the interesting thing with the uh, presenters, I can't remember who was actually talking about it, but they mentioned that, you know, how the foreign language films are, you know, starting to appear in all the other categories. And that sort of made me think, how much longer are they going to have a foreign language film category? Like, is it still necessary yeah it's a very um i guess when all this started things weren't as global Mm. and there wouldn't have been that access but now yeah i agree get rid of it and it just seems like such a second i don't know almost like a second rate award like oh you weren't good enough to get into the the rest of the categories but here have a have a have a biscuit yes sure which um, is taped to the bottom of the oscars base (laughs) uh film editing i don't look i don't really uh recall the editing of any of these and good editing is supposed to be invisible so there was um uh, not long after the movie came out um someone put up a clip like i think they were somehow involved in film or in film editing and they went the editing in this bohemian rhapsody scene is the most fucked up dumb shit and i didn't really notice it when i watched the movie but having it pointed out there's the scene where they're just kind of all sitting around a table and every single time a character speaks the camera goes to them and then goes to the person reacting and it's like there's about 100 million different in this very calm sitting at a table talking scene and um once you kind of have it pointed out to you it's like oh fuck that's that's a lot yeah, I mean, I don't know how Bohemian Rhapsody won film editing when I feel like a good hour, 45 minutes could have been cut out of it. So mm-hmm. that's an issue. Yeah, a lot of people are making jokes that they uh, they just edited out all the gay content. <laughs> that's why they won. Uh, documentary short subject. You know, I said we see what saw most of these. We didn't see those. <laughs> <laughs> Period, end of sentence one. Uh, I had a good speech by all accounts, so yes. good for them. Yeah. Documentary feature, I've only seen the winner. I think it's harder to access the documentaries uh, prior to the awards for us in Australia. I think Free Solo was the only one that really got a major release here. Yeah. I can't can't remember seeing RBG um, in any of the, like, coming soons or anything like that, but Free Solo definitely got shown. And I have uh, caught that, and it is really intense. Mm. I, I think that, you know, because... We all kind of know the outcome. Yeah. That maybe makes it a little bit less intense. Yeah, it's okay. He survives. But uh, it's still really interesting. The thing that really struck me about it is the relationship with the girlfriend. And when I went to log it on Letterboxd, I realised that a lot of people, rather than going, hey, you know, you're this incredibly brave man. Look what you did. They're like, dump him to the girlfriend. So uh, funny how we look at things 
kind of differently now. Mm. Um, directing Alfonso Cuaron, um, a lot of great people in there. I would have loved Yorgos to pick it up for the mm. favorite, but that said, the fact that we've had uh, five out of four, or is it five out of six of the last uh, director awards have been Mexicans, mm. um, I think let's continue that streak. The guy's a genius. Amazing to think that uh, he had his hands on something like a Harry Potter at one point. I'd like to see... Uh, him, um, give him a Star Wars or something and let him just go fucking nuts. <laughs> uh, we talked about costume design. Cinematography is uh, Roma. That was the one for it, mm. really. Um, that's what that film is all about. Animated feature film. Uh, I think everybody is thrilled that Spider-Man won this. Um, I don't think it ever was not going to win it. I really like Isle of Dogs, but I think, you know, it's so Wes Anderson-y and mm. I can imagine that being really split. It's nothing fresh or new in the same way The Incredibles 2 doesn't have the freshness or vitality of something that um, Spider-Man has. Mm. thought about this win a lot because people have really responded to it. And I think I can articulate a couple of things about the film better than I could when we reviewed it. And that was just that I think it's a real positive in the sense that what we've seen with superhero movies and that sort of trend going from the Christopher Nolan Batmans is that dark, cynical deconstruction and that idea of taking something silly and trying to ground it and make it more real and more gritty and dark, and that probably culminates in something like um, Batman versus Superman, where people start to really rile up against that. But at the same time, you know, Deadpool's a real product of that as mm -hmm. well. And we bag Deadpool a lot, and I, I thought if there was one word, like, what is it about Deadpool that I really don't like? And it's probably its insincerity. Mm. Like, it's not a sincere film. It's not that it's cynical or satirical or that it's um, too edgy or anything like that. It's just it's so insincere. It's so hollow. Whereas the fact that this is a celebration of comics and superheroes and goes back to that really non-cynical, let's look at the joyous kind of feelings and ideas and sort of sweeping adventure and humour, um, I think that's really positive. The other thing is, and it's a similar... Um, message that was in the Lego movie too, but it's done better in Spider-Man. I think particularly in the nerd communities, well, pretty much every community, there's a parallel. Um, people are really about defining camps and saying, mm. I love this thing, but I love this tiny part of this thing. And I hate all this other parts of this thing. So I like Star Wars, but only like this little chunk. Mm. And I actively detest the other part, mm -hmm. which is so weird to love something one mm. part of it and hate the mm. other part. Or I, I accidentally read the comments this morning on a... Uh, I think Brie Larson had tweeted that Samuel L. Jackson had bought his lightsaber to set and so she got to, like, touch it and she was, like, so excited and she'd love to be in Star Wars and you can imagine how the comments went down on that. It crazy. Crazy, crazy, crazy. How dare you be excited about something you love? Uh, but, yeah, I mean, and as well, there's always that thing about, oh... Why do we have to have the black version? Or why do we have to have the female version? And all these stupid mm. criticisms. Mm. And this is a film that combines all of those things mm. and works and mm. that people have accepted. I don't know if it's because Spider-Man fans are, you know, have decided to pick the optimistic character out of all of them and mm. are generally more cheerful. I doubt it. <laughs> um, They're still nerds, mate. But, uh, yeah, you know, it brings all those things together in a really nice way and sort of says... None of these things dilute the other. You can have all these things. You can mm. have all these versions and still and be a Spider-Man fan. You don't mm. have to pick and choose and chop and change and get angry about one and say, mm. I like it, but I hate that or anything. It, it can all exist mm. and it's okay. So, uh, yeah, love it. 
Fucking love it. Uh, actress in a supporting role. Amy Adams Vice, Regina King, if Bill Street could talk, uh, Marina D. Uh, Tervira, Roma, Emma Stone, and Rachel Weiss in The Favourite. Um, obviously, I really like The Favourite, but uh, I don't think any of them are a big, like, massive standout for me over the other. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, I'm, I'm not going, like, oh, Emma Stone was robbed. Like, she was good, but so mm. was Regina King. Mm. So um, I'm happy with that. That's fine. Uh, actor in a supporting role. Now, this is a weird one. Yeah, it is. So Mahershala Ali won it, obviously, but his acceptance speech was so, like, not apologetic, but almost bashful. Like, he's kind of a bit like, like, he'd already come out, like, previously and said that he felt bad about a lot of the movie because he wasn't, um, you know, told about... um, the guy's family or that they were still kind of around and he wasn't given access to them to talk about the character that he was portraying. So all he had to go off was like the, like Viggo Mortensen's character's family. So he was getting this sort of skewed thing and, and he's like, basically, well, I did the best I could with what I had and, and then he won an award for it. And I think he feels a bit bad, but yeah, I think he's he's probably got really mixed feelings about winning this as well. And there might be some crazy algebra to it that I'm not aware of, but I, I just think it's crazy on face value that this is a movie about um, a journey between a black man and a white man, and mm. it's about racism, and that he's the supporting role, mm. and that Vigo's the leading role. Mm. I, I don't understand that at mm. all. I, I know that Vigo would have more screen time if you added it all up, mm. but uh, that seems insane to me. I don't know... Where, I mean, I'm sure there's some uh, metric to how that happens, but uh, yeah, I'd rather see him if if his performance, were, despite all the other stuff, was the winner, give him best actor. Mm. Um, in terms of, I mean, look, I didn't want Adam Elliott, I mean Sam Elliott to get it. Adam Driver, I love, but uh, no, it wasn't a best actor role. Mm. Um, Richard E. Grant in Can You Ever Forgive Me would be my choice for this one. Mm. I, I think he was really interesting. Well, he in won that. the Globe, didn't he? Uh, I can't remember. He he won he just won oh, something must have for been it. The Globe. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think he he was the the one. Um, and actress in a leading role, Olivia Coleman took this, and mm. I couldn't be more thrilled. That was the right choice. Yeah, I um, I was sneakily watching the Oscars live on my phone at my desk because um, it's Monday morning here. And uh, her speech made me laugh out loud. And thankfully, there wasn't many people in the office, so I didn't have to explain why I was laughing crazily to myself. But she was just... She was the highlight of the night for me. So well-deserved. Yeah. You know, it became clear favourite wasn't going to be sweeping up any best pictures mm. or writing or directing or anything. Yeah. So the fact that she took it was uh, was fantastic. I've seen an American site headline saying that it was an upset. Uh, if it was an no. upset for anyone, I'm glad. Uh, actor in a leading role then went to uh, Rami Malek for Bohemian Rhapsody. Again, amazing yeah. that Bohemian Rhapsody became an Oscar film. I mm. uh, don't really get that. Um, but then I don't know who else it would have gone to here. I feel like Christian Bale's kind of a, you know, it's that kind of Gary Oldman last year, the mm. makeup cartoon character. Yeah, I saw a. Um, Bradley Cooper sucked. <laughs> someone put up a. Like a Wikipedia thing of the all the the best actor winners over the last sort of twenty years, and put a star next to the ones that were 
basically playing a real person and it was literally about 70 or 80% mm. of them were winning. And it's like, couldn't we just rename it person who is best at playing another person? Yeah. You know? And it's like, I look, I think Rami did everything he could in that role. And I really like Rami, but... Uh, uh, I, don't, I don't love that win. No, but I don't know who else there could have taken it. Willem Dafoe. I would, out of them, I, I like Willem Dafoe. I think they really love a transformation. That's what they want. They yeah, want that. They want that role where you look at someone and you just think, "Is that really Mr. Robot?" Like yeah. you know, it's just so different. Whereas Willem Dafoe, at his core, is so Willem Dafoe mm. that it, it like you can't separate him. Like you're aware of him there. Yeah, you're not feeling like you're watching another person. Yeah. Whereas when he did win, it was for. Um, uh, Oh fuck! What's it face? Shadow of the Vampire, mm, and and that was a transformation. That was where mm. he was buried under makeup and prosthetics and stuff. Yeah. So, but I think I mean out of the two, Willem and, and Rami, like Willem's performance was more affecting. Yeah, I agree. I think, and I, I personally, I would out of out of those five, it'd be Willem for me. I thought Rami was really affected. Like, yeah, yeah, Willy Wonka. Johnny Depp effect. Yeah, like he said that he got the teeth really early so that he could kind of get used to them and not, you know, be chomping on them like a horse on a bit, but it didn't work, bro. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, finally, best picture. Green Book. Green Book. <laughs> Which, uh, pardon you, <laughs> was, yeah, not not inspiring at all. No. I, I wanted the favourite. Yeah. Yeah, look, you know, I would have even been... Have, I would have preferred nearly anything over Green Book. Like, I would have... Oh, actually, apart from Bohemian Rhapsody, obviously. I um, couldn't handle A Star Is Born. I could have lived with it. I wouldn't have loved it, but I would have liked it better than Green Book. Vice would have been really um, politically divisive because mm. I've seen people just rant at that mm. and um, use all their libtard, you know, hive mind stuff at it. Yeah. Uh I think Green Book is the movie that they've they've gone with because they want to feel like they're saying something. They're like, well, we're making a, a statement about racism, but it's like, no, you're not. If you wanted to actually make a statement about racism, you would have voted for Black Klansman. I think the most balls-out, baller move they could have done, not that I would think it's best picture, but would have been Black Panther. That, yeah. that would have been the history maker. Mm. That would have changed the game. But, I mean, it felt like it had no chance in hell. No. But then you forget that, like, Return of the King one. Yeah. Which is, is a pretty, like, popcorn-y mm. blockbuster movie. Yeah, it is. But also it's Lord of the Rings. And if you think about the sort of old blokes who were voting for these uh, Academy Awards... Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what the makeup is these days. Yeah. I think there are a lot of people there. There are a lot of actors and stuff that are a part of the Academy because they, um, you hear on podcasts all the time people getting screeners for voting. Mm. So, um, I, I don't know. It can't be that diverse because Green Book still fucking won. You break down... I mean, the sort of people that like Bohemian Rhapsody or Star is Born probably cancelled each other out. Vice mm. politically divisive. Roma's a bit political because of the Netflix thing. Mm. Plus, it's such a slow burn. Favourite is just alienating. Mm. You either love it or you hate it. Mm. And um, he's just so weird. Black Klansman, I don't know, just never had that energy behind it, did it? And it's one of those things that I watched and I really enjoyed. I think mm. it's a great movie, but I didn't come out of it going, oh, this is one of the best things I've seen. Mm. Not that I would do that with any of the other things on this list, really, apart from 
the favourites. I don't know. Um, is what it is. It's funny because there's a point where you think there's so much talk about the Oscars and so much lead up, but then the best picture winners, a lot of the time, the vast majority of them, no one fucking sees. Mm. So, like, how many everyday people have seen, like, Spotlight or something? Mm. So, you kind of wonder in a way, who's it for? Yeah, I don't know. Because, sure, like, it doesn't, it doesn't mean anything. No, and really. Especially these days as well. It hasn't really um, boosted people's careers in the way that... It, it no. didn't mean that if you'd won, especially, unfortunately, with women, mm. it doesn't mean if you win Best Actress that you're suddenly... Mm. Doing, I mean, look at, like, where's Halle Berry at? Or, mm. you know, it doesn't guarantee yeah. you anything. No. So, I mean, that's, I think people are getting more savvy to just awards in general, that it's just a industry dick sucking thing where it's like, it doesn't, it doesn't mean anything. Like you don't, or you, you get a statue and you get your name yeah. on the Wikipedia. You know what I mean? Like it doesn't, it really doesn't boost you in any way. Because, um, you know, we're both members of Letterboxd, we're pro members, so you get to see our stats and stuff. And how many women are in your, like, most watched celebrities section? Um, oh, I don't know. Because I think in the head. first, like, 30 or 40 people, I've got Scarlett Johansson, which is because I did the podcast. Mm. And then, really, by no design, it's all men. And I guess that shows that it's just, they get more opportunities to continue to be in things. Yeah, I think that um, that mine's probably similar as well. Hang on, is, were you looking at all time? Yeah. Okay, let's have a look. I'll get mine up as well, and I'll look at my list. Uh, uh. That's a um, classic uh, dick joke brought to you from the 90s <laughs> in a wormhole. Yeah. All right, here's mine. So Scarlet is number one with 48 films, then Samuel L. Jackson, Johnny Depp, Bruce Willis, Bill Murray, Bill Hader, John Goodman, John Ratzenberger, that's from doing all those fucking Pixar voices, mm -hmm. Fred Tatasciore, no idea who that is, I think he's a voice actor as well that must have minor parts in all these things, Steve Buscemi, Liam Neeson, Willem Dafoe, Robin Atkin Downs, I have no idea who that is, must also be a voice actor. Or, a, like, a stunt performer or something. Mm. Tom Hanks, Seth Rogen, Jack Black, Will Ferrell, Nicolas Cage. Uh, my my top two women are Scarlett Johansson and Tilda Swinton, but they're pretty far down the list. Yeah. So, and uh, directors, there's no ladies, of course. Yeah. My top six, I've got Ewan McGregor, Samuel L. Jackson, Michael Fassbender, Tom Hiddleston, Oscar Isaac, and Chris Hemsworth, which... Probably no surprise to Surprising anybody. No one. But yeah, I have uh, one woman I've, in that. I've got that Robin Atkin dude yeah, as well. I don't know who he is. Anyone know who Robin Atkin Downs is off the top of their head? Be quick, because we're just about to find out. Oh, he's mainly vo. Oh, he's in the Superman yeah, because he's Batman's in the I know that voice documentary. Yeah, right. But he's in some live action stuff. Oh yeah, so loop group voice. So Oh, he's a voice dude. He's okay. just a voice dude. So even in the live action movies, he's just doing like someone going, Oh, get him in the background mm, when yeah. Batman runs past. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, good on you, Robin. I mean it'd be nice afternoon's work, wouldn't it? I don't think so. I think they get paid fuck all. We have this like idea of, you know, if you're in movies you're making money, even though the fact mm. that there's 
thousands oh, no. of people in the credits. But I mean, they're like in an afternoon's work, you can sit there and you could probably do about 15 movies worth of, hey guys, Yeah. in the background. But I think you would get paid like an hourly rate, which mm. would be less than like what we get paid in yeah, our normal I mean, jobs. Probably, but it's America. Yeah. They get paid $2 an hour to yeah. work a real job, so, Like, you I, know. I think, you know, when you go and, um, and the worst, like if you go and dub anime or something, mm. you fuck all. Mm. And it shows when you listen to it. <laughs> Oh, sorry, everybody. I'm really loose today. Not in a, like, fun, um, like, entertaining way, but just, like, I don't even feel like I'm doing a show and I'm not paying much attention to how it actually flows. It's kind of a warm Sunday. It is, yes. Should Should we talk about, then... Vox Lux. Yes. Which we saw last week. Let's talk week. about the Vox Lux experience first. Okay. We're going to name this name and shame the cinema? Yes. Okay. The Rain, Rain Square Paradise. So was it? Palace. Palace. Yes. So this is the new cinema in the city. There hadn't been a cinema in the city for probably a decade, if not more. Um, and, you know, it was a big deal. It's a luxury cinema. It's getting people back into the city and... You know, you can have dinner and a movie and blah, 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 blah. It was literally the only place it was showing Vox Lux. And um, I have read their Google reviews in the past. And apart from the fact that it's supposed to be this really lovely cinema, and mm. I've heard people say it's a really lovely cinema, and mm. it is a really lovely cinema, mm. it's been getting bad reviews. Yeah. Which, you know, you think uh, people just complain. Yeah. People like to complain. Surely it's not going to be that bad. Um, Look, price, price was fine. Uh, it looks like a gold class cinema. The they've got a bar, and it looks like a gold class bar. And we got our mm. tickets there. Mm. But then you go around the corner, and there's a big champagne bar and lounge, mm. which the cinemas are all around. Mm. So and already I mean, we, that seems frivolous because you've got go, the same bar. Yeah. yeah, we did go in the morning, which is you know going to be a quieter time anyway. But it was pretty empty. There were probably more staff than patrons there at that time. There was time. one other person seeing Vox Lux with us yeah. in a cinema that would seat about 300 probably. Yeah. Uh, the No, but they've got an identity crisis because they feel like you're going to park in the city, you're going to pay for tickets, and then you're going to... Everyone's going to drink champagne enough mm-hmm. that they need to have multiple staff at two different bars. Mm. Their whole setup is cram, lots of seating in which are recliners, but only in the back. They're like airplane seats. Mm. Um, so they're not as big as all the other new refitted cinemas. Mm. They don't have drink, like cup contain- uh, cup holders or anything mm. like that because their assumption is that you'll use the little table for your glass of champagne instead. So they really need to, in each cinema, have 300 champagne-drinking people mm. as opposed to, you know, when we go to Belmont, which is not a fancy cinema on the outside, but mm. when you go into one of those things, they'll seat... Instead, if 300, they'll seat like 80 or 100 in really nice big yeah. recliners. Cushy with footstools. Seems to me to be a much better model yeah. because it has to be about the movie experience. Mm. Like, you have to love movies, you have to value movies, and you have to give an experience that is better than watching it at home because mm-hmm. otherwise we can watch it at home. Yeah. There has to be a reason as, as to why you would uh, pay. That's not the reason, though, that it was bad. It was We were an hour and a half into this thing. It, it split into three acts. It's almost Lars von Trier-like in the way that... It's got three acts and mm. the, a title card comes up, you know. So we're halfway mm. through the second act. Uh, both, fair to say, pretty gripped by it. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. Really enjoying it, really into it. And then um, the the lights come on and the movie just stops. So I go out and say, hey, what's the deal? And they're like, yeah, 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 look, it's um, everything's gone out. The power went out. The power's back now. Mm. 
Um, we're we're going to deal with it. And it's like, okay, cool. Go back in. Movie starts again, but without the picture. It's just the sound. Mm. So we're sitting there hearing the movie continue, but we're not mm-hmm. getting to see it. Yeah. So after a couple of minutes of that, which is spoiling the movie. Yes. Go back out and say, hey, look, uh, we're hearing the sound. Um, yeah, yeah, we know. We're trying to fix it. And this is a different staff member. There's so many staff members, but no one's coming in and telling us things. Mm. And I say, well, can you know, could you at least turn the sound off? Um, yeah, yeah, we'll have a look. Go back in. Still nothing. Mm. End up... Uh, and then what happened? It ended up... Um, they ended up, like, finally after about 10 minutes. Mm. They put the picture back on. But it was, like, Act 3. Yes. It, it, a title came up said Act 3 Finale. Yeah, so we'd missed about 10, 15 minutes yeah, of the Yeah, and now movie. we're watching the end. So yeah. I went out and complained about that, and the lady's like, well... You know, it seems to be the real manager this time. Well, we'll get you comps for next time. So, sorry. And I'm like, we're not, this is not going to be next time. I'd rather have a refund because we're not going to come back. Um, but you're the only place showing the movie. We really want to see the end. She said, we're going to rewind it and everything. It's going to be okay. And I'm like, well, can you at least turn it off? Or I said, well, look, we'll come out of the cinema. Mm. And can you let us know when it's ready and we'll go back in. Mm. So I went to get you guys and then it came back on paused at the spot or rewound on screen paused at the spot where it left off yeah i think great we're gonna get to see this again and then it rewound again and went back 15 minutes yeah. past the point where oh, before the point where it shut off mm. so we had to watch about five scenes again mm. before we caught up so yeah. this movie which is not a three and a half hour movie took about three and a half hours mm-hmm. to watch by the time we got out of mm. there and got our um refund yes and we were pretty baller too, because they were like, oh, but here, have some comp tickets for, for something else. And we were like, nah, that's cool. <laughs> yeah, it's cool. like everything you're showing, we can go and see a Belmont yeah. for 10 bucks. Oh, we're good. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that was really disappointing. Yeah. So we didn't get the ideal experience watching this film. That said, really enjoyed this. Yeah, I think the biggest uh, kind of indication of that for me was when we were watching those 10, 15 minutes Again, um, I really enjoyed watching them again. I'd only just seen them, but I was really enjoying... um, And I noticed different things in those scenes when I watched them the second time as well. And I was like, oh, actually, I'm really into this movie if I can enjoy watching this thing again immediately. Um, It's hard to... I know people, if you don't know about this film, you're like, well, what the fuck are you talking about? What is it? But at the same time, I knew so little going in, Mm. and like story-wise... And that was really good. Like, I Mm. would hate to spoil some of the things that I didn't know about because Mm. that was such an interesting journey Mm. to to go on this because it was one of those things where I had um, preconceptions about it and then it just kept challenging those. Mm. And then it, you know, even ended in a kind of both satisfying and not satisfying way. And Mm. even where it was not satisfying, I'm not complaining. Like, it was was definitely somebody's vision. And I've seen... Yeah, not everyone loved that on Letterboxd and mm. people accuse him of being sort of pretentious and manipulative, but I never felt that watching it. I, mm. I was in for the ride and I was enjoying what uh, he was doing with that. Mm. Yeah, well, all I knew prior is that she was a, a pop star who had become a sort of figurehead after a tragedy. Yeah. And I actually thought the tragedy that I thought it was turned out to be a bit of a secondary thing in the film. Yeah. Um, so that had sort of, you know, that sort of threw me out a little bit. But um, it's a weird, confronting, unapologetic, great soundtrack. Yeah. It's got a really interesting mix of soundtrack because there's um, the score, which is mm. really quite 
moody and weird and unusual and experimental mm. and then there's the actual pop songs that she sings which are all written by Sia mm. and Natalie does perform these and we do mm. actually get to see a fair bit of her performing the actual music mm. um, so yeah it's a really strange bundle of stuff and then you've also the other thing that made it quite Lars von Trierian for me was the fact that Willem Dafoe uh, narrates yes which was great and it just it added so much to it like yeah. it gave it this sort of otherworldly kind yeah, of thing yeah that's a, it is a really weird otherworldly mm. film it's a strange experience mm. and but it just it feels so much more rich and hearty than you know i guess like star is born or whatever and i thought it was insane that this was not nominated for anything at the oscars and there's a some really interesting techniques too like mm. it's constantly changing how it shows things mm. like i don't think this is what they go on a little trip mm. and the whole thing's being sort of shot on like cell phone footage mm. and cut up into a montage and sped up but it feels like the actors have really gone off and had some experiences mm. in different places and they've improvised and they've mucked around but then the whole thing has been added to this weird soundtrack and sped mm. up and and you just have this like exhausting sense of an adventure in a in a couple of minutes. Mm. Um, yeah, uh, no, really, uh, it's not it's not for everyone. But then things shouldn't be for everyone. Mm. We say it's not for everyone a fair bit, but I, I noticed that you're going to do a food analogy. I hope you're listening, Ian. <laughs> but um, you know, I watch Come Dine with Me, the cooking show. Yeah, and you see all sorts of um, you know good and not so good food, but that's like brings five people together and no matter what the food is someone hates it Mm. someone's like oh i don't do fish or i don't do chicken or Mm. i don't do this or i don't do that and you think well what is for everybody and it's like bread potatoes a potato yeah Yeah. i wouldn't want to watch the movie version of a potato no movies that are for everyone are very bland movies Mm. because someone's always gonna not like something Mm. but uh yeah I, I really like this. It was a real treat, and I have bought the Vox Lux colouring in book. It's on its way. Oh, cool. Yeah. Excellent. I look forward to that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Huh. And um, at Eternity's Gate, speaking mm. of Willem Dafoe, which we have done multiple times this episode. Yes, it's a Vincent van Gogh film, but it's not really a biography. It's a kind of moody snapshot of a period of his life. Um very much from his point of view. Yeah, I think it is um, a biography, but it is from his point of view. Yeah. And I was actually talking about it with a workmate, and she uh, pointed out something very uh, poignant that I guess I kind of didn't really click at the time, is that all of the, I guess the big moments that you would expect to see in a Vincent van Gogh film, are, you don't see them because he doesn't remember doing them. So you see the aftermath. That's what where... I said to you. It sure was a workmate. We had this conversation last week when we were walking oh, in were the we? city. Yeah. Okay, maybe it was. I was talking about it with a workmate because she yeah. has seen it. So yeah, maybe... she wasn't as wise as what I said. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's the thing because yeah. it would have been very easy to go. We can get some real drama from showing him saw off his yeah, ear yeah, here, yeah. or we can show him, you know, Willem Dafoe just got fucking nuts in this pub mm. and like just. But mm. he doesn't perceive himself in that way. Yeah. He doesn't remember his actions like Mm. that. So we only ever see the sort of lead up and and him afterwards. Mm. But he doesn't 
connect to that. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah it really is like the Vincent VR experience. And the camera mm. does literally take on his wobbly point of view at times. Mm. Um, it was like that Simpsons beer goggles, see, <laughs> world through the life, the, see the world through the eyes of a drunk. Yeah. I liked, because um, there's a story that I've heard about him, which I don't know if is true or not. And it's a story I like, but I don't necessarily feel good about liking it because it's sort of that borderline romanticising mental illness kind of thing. But I'd heard that he really liked the colour yellow and he was very, you know, very depressed. And so he thought that if he ate the yellow paint, he would put the happiness on the inside. Mm. And, you know, obviously paint has a lot of lead in it and probably uh, mm. exacerbated a lot of his mental illnesses. And towards the end of the film, when you're seeing, looking through his eyes, his vision's going very yellow and... I um I kind of liked that almost as a reference to that story mm. again whether it's true or not but that's that's something that I really uh, really liked or whether he's just uh, you know people say through rose colored glasses he's seeing it through yellow tinted glasses because that's sort of his happy I think there's something mood. sort of mentioned in there the only thing I thought was a bit on the nose and maybe history proves me wrong or whatever but this idea of him because I know we the thing that people say is that he was before his time. Mm. But he actually sort of pretty much says that in the film. Mm. They're like, who is this for? And he's like, maybe it's for people that haven't been born yet. Maybe it's for people that will be born 100 years mm. from now or whatever. And then you expect him to look at the camera and go, like, maybe it's <laughs> for special people like you. And then, you know. <laughs> But, yeah, he does a good job. Um, mm. You really feel for him. There's a relationship uh, mm. with his brother that's really sweet. Mm. And uh, a lot of those things were touched on in Annette, which we talked about. Yeah. Uh, and her telling the story of Vincent, and I thought it was um, told through a similar similar lens of yeah. how it's not this like amazing artist that just happened to be born at the wrong time. It's someone that was really suffering and um, couldn't navigate the world, and mm. and only managed to do what he did because of the support and love mm. of others. Mm. And I think what I really loved about the film, above uh, Willem Dafoe's performance, is Oscar Isaac. Oh, I did like that, but yeah, like, you but you know, I had to I had to put the back burners. He was had a lot of like big dick energy going on, Oscar Isaac. He, did, he was he? just like fucking swaggering into yeah. the scenes and swaggering out. He I'm was like, a man who knew what he wanted. I'm like, dude, this is not your movie. Um, is that the cinematography? It was so intimate. Like, it wasn't like not everything is through um, uh, Van Gogh's eyes, but even when the camera is in that uh, like third person, it it's so intimate. Like, there's that scene where he and his brother are lying on the bed mm. and the camera is right there. Like, mm. you are lying on the other side of him on that bed. And I'm like, oh, I fucking love this. I love... I love all of this. Who was... Um, Oscar Isaac was... Go Gauguin. Gauguin. Yeah. Yeah. Who was, uh, according to my workmate, a very awful person, possibly a pedophile, yeah. um, and all sorts of gross. That was his travels, wasn't it? Didn't he go around and molest people in other countries? Yeah, Is I that... don't know. I don't know a lot about. Very him. confident man. At one point, he paints this uh, mountain range, and he uses his dick as the canvas. Yeah. It's uh, amazing. Mm. Mm. Okay. All right. Well, all the you know, actually, one tiny little thing I want to say. Yes. Because we, we, we're talking about a biopic. Yeah. Is that it really shitted when I hear people on um, TV and podcasts and stuff say biopic. It's biopic. Yeah. Because yeah. it's a biography. It's not yeah. a biography. Bio is the slang shortening. 
Yeah. But why would we use this sh- slang shortening in a real world word like biopic? I don't know. Like, but they go, yeah, but it's a biopic. It's you pick it's a bi- but bio is the slang. It's short for biography. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Sort it out, people. Yeah. Uh, watch, watch challenge. Black History Month. We've got two movies to talk about. Uh, let's talk about them quite quickly, so I don't have to change track. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's a good as a reason. I just want to get in, I want to get this in in an hour. Yeah. What was our first one? Based uh, on a book. Based on a book, was it? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Uh, I did the color purple, which I started on uh, Thursday evening. And uh, my internet shit itself and uh, turned it off for me nearly nearly an hour in, which I felt like was my internet going, you don't need this tonight. This is one of uh, Spielberg's <laughs> first serious dramas too. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, like, I'm not saying I wasn't enjoying it, but it was a little bit more misery, misery than I thought. Oh, I, it's I, confronting I, as Yeah, fuck. I didn't know anything about this movie apart from the fact Whoopi Goldberg was in it. Yeah. That, uh, no, no, not Whoopi Goldberg. Oprah. Oprah. I knew Oprah was in it, and that is all that I knew about it. And then it starts off with her having fucking babies to her dad, and I'm like, oh, damn, this is not quite what I was, you know, needing on my light Thursday night entertainment. But I went, uh, I watched it, started watching it again, uh, really, really enjoyed Like, it's a two-and-a-half-hour movie or something. Yeah. I really enjoyed that second stint, and... The 80s were a different time, you know. I don't think you could get away with Steven Spielberg and Kathleen Kennedy making a black movie like this now. But for the 80s and for the fact it's a black movie made by white people, it's pretty good. It's a good movie. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I I mean, Spielberg's, I think to his credit, and I do think he's an excellent storyteller. Mm. I am a Spielberg fan. Um, And I I love the fact that he does something sort of popcorn-y and then he does something serious Mm. and you know, and, and he explores lots of different stories in lots of different mm. eras and um, perspectives. So mm. I, I think it's uh, pretty spot on. You know, I actually saw that movie as a child on mm. a bus on the way, like, from Canberra to um, oh, probably to Perth. Jesus. Yeah. No. So on a coach where they play the video. And oh, man, that's not a, that's not a, a, a public everybody. everyone movie. I know, because Fuck. I also remember seeing that animated Dot and the Kangaroo on that bus. Oh. And I remember seeing um, the Nutty... No, Flubber. Oh, fuck. Okay. So yeah, the right. fact that on this bus, because we did the trip a few times, I know yeah. those movies aren't close to each other in, um, yeah. in t- time. But, yeah, I remember seeing Colour Purple. Yeah, but sure. I remember, even as a kid, thinking it was uh, fascinating, like really yeah. enjoying it. Yeah. Um, and it coloured what I was watching, because I watched Beloved, uh-huh. which is also Oprah and Danny Glover. Oh, yeah, right. And it's, oh, man, I can't I can't look at Danny Glover again after Colour Purple. Well, that like, was the thing. Fuck, like, I didn't know creepy motherfucker. anything about Beloved, and it starts with, like, kids crying and all this, like, chaos happening in the house, and a fucking dog gets smashed up against the wall and its eyeball comes out. Oh, okay. And I was like... <laughs> So my instinct, because it was Danny Glover and Oprah, was like, Danny Glover's doing this to this family. Yeah. But it, he's not. It's yeah. like a ghost that's poltergeist. Oh. And it's, um, Beloved's a, it, it's not really, a, it is a ghost story, like, in the fact that there is a, a ghost in it, mm. and, um, but it is also about mainly, you know, a metaphor for things, mm. and um, it's about racism and all sorts of horrible things. And, and that is two and a half hours of mir- misery as well. Mm. Like, that's a really full-on film. Um, Danny Glover's actually a nice guy, but mm. he turns up and she's like, oh, come into my house. And 
she's like, you just got to excuse, excuse what's inside. And he's like, yeah, yeah, okay. And he goes in and then it's just all red lights and poltergeists and evil. And he's like, okay. shit. <laughs> and I'm like, This yeah. is a crap Tinder day. I hear you. And I'm standing Newton's in there. Yeah. And uh, it, it, it's a really uh, crazy, um, fucked up story. It's not an easy watch. But it's good. Mm. You know, it's enjoyable. It's not great. Um, but it's good. It's worth seeing. And... What amazed me about it as well, as a side note, away from the movie, is that you've got this film. Oprah, I remember, Beloved, written by Toni Morrison. It was mm. on her book club. She, I remember her plugging the shit out of this mm. uh, thing. Um, they invested a lot in this film. Oprah's got all the eyes and ears in the world, and no one saw it. Mm. It, it was a huge box office um, bomb. It was directed by Jonathan Demme, who did Science of the Lambs. Mm-hmm. So you've got this really great group of people. And um, it came fifth on the week that it opened. Yeah, right. And uh, Bride of Chucky came second. Oh, okay. And Practical Magic was first. Oh, and Practical Magic was shit, as we yeah. found out last year in the What's Watch Challenge. And it's a ghost story <laughs> with, like, female leads. But yeah. those female leads happen to be, yeah, Sandra yeah. Bullock and Nicole Kidman. Mm. And um, although it's not the greatest movie, Beloved is so much better than Practical Magic. Mm. So that, that's really disheartening. Yeah. And I was reading, like, uh, Oprah talking about it at the time and, and saying just how depressed she was. It was the most depressed she'd ever been. Mm. Um, and, yeah, you can see that but then at the same time like you have to actively sign up for two and a half hours of uh, pure misery so it's a tough sell especially to go you know get your popcorn and pay and Hmm. go and see something that's just gonna fuck you around but um, makes you think Hmm. and then uh, the last one was a was it just a movie with a strong female lead yeah with a female lead yeah. yeah I um I watched Precious so I accidentally <laughs> did the uh, paternal rape uh, double feature. Yeah. Oh fuck. Okay. Um, look, this is you know obviously this was uh, in the awards chat during the year it came out and it is a very good film but fuck it's miserable. Like it like you know I'm like, I was oh. going to do Precious too because I've never seen it and <sighs> then I read the like keyword synopsis when I was looking it up and I was like, like it's just and so. I was just like no nah, and can't. like I know I know it's based on a book and a, and a this lady's real life and and everything um, but it's just so physically abusive emotionally abusive and it's just it's just so unpleasant to watch mm. honestly and I'm like oh yeah I I just think that as because I watched those two movies so close together, I had a real bad time this weekend. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm I, envious of what you watched because yeah, I've already yeah. seen it and I really liked it. I went the opposite way. I went very light with Queen of Katwe. Yeah. Uh, about, I watched uh, it a couple of years ago. Which, um, yeah. A young African girl who becomes a chess... Yeah, played by... Grand, L- Grandmaster. Lupita. Uh, she doesn't play the, the girl. Oh, no, she's, she's the, the mum. That's yeah. right. And, uh, yeah, it's a sweet film. Like, mm. it's a Disney film. Yeah. It, um, beautiful cinematography yeah. and, and sort of sense of place. Mm. Uh, it's relatively light. It kind of runs along a course that you mm. would expect someone sort of unlike. I mean, it's amazing in the sense that this person was able to just understand chess in the same way that some people just understand a piano and just mm. see all the pieces and understand how it works and, mm. and, and can intuitively think ahead and mm. um it's that kind of um you know slightly up and down but mostly positive uplifting yeah. story that yeah. pans out i really like the closing credits where they the actors hang out with yeah. the uh people that they played and um i i do love that about disney um 
movies based on real things. I think there was a... I can't remember what it was called. There was, like, a movie about uh, a group of Mexican teenagers in, in America and they were, like, on cross-country runners and I think Kevin Costner was their coach or whatever. And then at the end, during the credits, it had the cast running and then the real people running alongside mm. them and I was just like, oh, it's so fucking beautiful. Um, the, the one thing it did make me think about, I think this is the thing I got out of it the most, was just an appreciation for chess in the sense that um, I, I can be very cynical about things like the Olympics and not being a, a sports person or whatever mm. by going, oh, wow, that person can run really fast. Great. Mm. You know, that's something to celebrate. Oh, which country can jump the highest? But, but you forget how readily available those things are. Mm. I talked about piano before. Not many people have a grand piano or something to practice on, mm. but everybody can run, jump, mm. and they're, they're things that everybody in the world can contribute to. And mm. chess, in the same way, you can make a chess set out of virtually anything. Mm. If, you've, if you've got the drive to do it and to play, it's something that's so accessible to everyone, no matter where you are. And, and you can see why those things have risen to importance, mm. because... Um, not everyone's got a set of settlers of Catan or whatever. Mm. Um, but, yeah, there's that access and um, it can bring... It, it's an equaliser. Mm. And uh, I had never thought about that before. Yeah. Uh, and this movie made me think about that. Mm. And uh, my heart grew three sizes and oh. now I'm a far better person than I was a week before. Yeah, good. Excellent. Mm. And uh, next week, we've got one left on the What to Watch Challenge. We've got to watch a film directed by an African director. Mm, I think I'm watching Lionheart, which is on Netflix. I might have to do the same. I'm having trouble finding one. It has to be a black African director, which um, sounds like a weird thing to say, but then there are a lot of uh, dodgy 80s kung fu movies made in South Africa so mm. <laughs> by yeah. white people, yeah. so... They don't, they don't count. Yes, they, know, they don't count. So, no. yeah, I, I think I did have a bit of a uh, tough time when yeah. I was looking through. Um, if anybody has any suggestions, we're open to it, but the, I think it'll be Lionheart. The one I've got on my list I really wanted to watch, but I can't find it. Mm. So, um, well, I'll check iTunes. But, um, yeah, if I can get that, I'll watch that. Mm. It's called Kata 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 something okay. like that. yeah. But um, it's got a bit of a supernatural theme to it okay, as well, cool. which I thought sounded cool. Yeah. So uh, check it out. Yeah. All right. Uh, and uh, and then we'll be going into our silent movies. That's what March is, isn't it? Yeah. 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 That'll be interesting to talk about, I think, because they, a lot of them are kind of short films as well. Yeah. So yeah. I think in the spirit, we'll probably just mime our reviews. <laughs> yeah. And uh, but yeah. we'll we'll keep the tape running. Yeah. We'll just do um. This is on tape. It would totally. This is a retro. Yeah, we're gonna do our do show. our revol- reviews entirely in foley. Yes. Yeah. Oh no, that's hard work. <laughs> no, I just I, like if we mime, we can mm. just sit here, <laughs> just stare for a while, <laughs> and the audience can take what they yeah, want out no, of they it. They won't know what's happening. Uh, thanks for listening, everyone. Uh, please join our Facebook discussion page, uh, Fruitless Pursuits Podcast Discussion, and I'd uh, love to know what you thought of the Oscars and all that jazz. And uh, we've actually... Are we going to do one next week? Because we are seeing Captain Marvel on Tuesday. Yeah, probably. Yeah, so yeah, we, we'll, we'll, we'll come back, for, hopefully, for um, yeah. Captain Marvel. Yeah, look, in 2019, FP cast just does as FP cast yeah. feels. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but that's a significant one. I think that has more yeah. energy to do that a week before as opposed to two weeks later when the buzz is sort of dying down. Yeah. Part of the conversation. Uh, so yeah, really looking forward to that. We're going to the preview of that, which is awesome. 
And, uh, yeah, you can find links to our Facebook discussion group, um, our social media, all that sort of stuff uh, at fruitlessputes.com. Um, I'm still doing Dungeons and Drongos. That's going strong. Everything's great. Everything's fun. And uh, you're part of it. And um, that makes my heart grow in other three sizes. And uh, ugh, I die. And you probably go to the doctor about that. I did. Tinkity tonk.